Hello, Curse Crew, and welcome to Curse of Coincidence, where each week we dive into famous curses from sports, movies, and history to separate fact from fiction, mystery from history, and ask, is it a curse? Or is it just a coincidence? I'm Nathan, and with me, as always, is the beautiful Bolivar, Amy. How are you, darling? I'm good. How you doing? Good. I managed to get that all out in one go. And just a little fumble over the word believer. 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 <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't pick up on that. But of course. That's, as is tradition. That famous Smash Mouth <laughs> song, I'm a Bulliver. <laughs> well known from the From the Shrek soundtrack. And we are off the rails already. Already. That's right. uh, so how are you? Oh, good. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, what can you tell me? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Not much. How has your week been? Uh, it's been good, busy. We are, I don't know if this somehow time implicates us, depending on when we release this. We're either on holidays or we're getting ready yeah. for holidays. Well, right now in the real in moment, real time, yeah. we're getting ready to go away for a month, which is a long ass time. Yeah, I'm so excited to get away. Yeah, I'm really excited. It'll be a lot of fun, but... Um, you know how like before you go somewhere, it's just all extra work. They say that the, the the two busiest times you'll ever have in your in your working life are the two weeks before you go on holidays and the two weeks when you come back from holidays. Hundred so, percent, yeah. and it's just like all the life admin and stuff that you've got to do. Like Absolutely. we have a dependent, aka a dog, <laughs> that we have to look, get looked after. The most independent dependent you'll ever. Yeah, made. she's she's pretty she's pretty self sustaining, <laughs> but. Is. Not a, not a month's worth of self sustaining She lacks the opposable thumbs to open up the food bags. So hey, if she had opposable thumbs, we'd both be dead already. We'd be fucked. <laughs> we'd be absolutely fucked. But apart from that, um, just counting down to get into holiday mode. Cannot wait. Very excited. So as always, we'll delve into a tale of a curse from sports, entertainment, or history. We'll weigh the facts and the fiction, and we'll decide once and for all if it is a curse or it's just a coincidence. Amy. Yes. So you're on storytelling duties tonight. I am. That's... And I did the last one. So I feel like I'm really carrying this uh, podcast at the moment. See, no, I actually did the last one. Oh, because of the release. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tricky editing tricks aside, <laughs> I'm doing a lot of heavy <laughs> the lifting. Magic of Hollywood. <laughs> May, we haven't talked about this, but maybe in our new format, we can go one for one. Maybe. Hmm. But then again, probably not. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just banking up a couple so I can sit back and be a podcast pillow princess for a bit. Um, I'm, that's, I'm okay with that as well. <laughs> Amazing. What do you have for us this week? So this is a curse that I've actually had on my radar for a while mm. and has been, It's come. it's become more relevant because there's recently been a docuseries released about it. Okay. On Netflix. Mm. Um, and one of our listeners slash friends, you know who you are. I won't say your name because I know that you'll probably have a panic attack and die. Sent it through to me. and You literally just described almost every one of your friends. <laughs> I actually have no idea who it was. I'll tell you later. But yeah, I already had it on my radar. So it kind of felt a bit. Now's the time. Yeah. It's prophetic. a brand new season. Exactly. Let's get into it. So... Were you a theatre kid? You're going to make me oust myself in public. Yeah, I was, I was a theatre kid. Yeah. Love a bit of the theatre. And at school, like, were you into drama, music? Big time. Yeah, yeah. I, was a, I was a creative kid. So you know that, like, 
theater kids and theater world. Like it's a whole thing, right? Like it's when you, I was really into drama as well and like dancing and stuff when I was a kid and theater kid energy is a thing. Oh, fully. It's yeah. So when a little show was released in the mid aughts, late aughts, early tens, theater kids around the world Rejoice. Rejoice. I know I know what this one is because I was actually doing some research on this one as well. Oh. I didn't get very far. <laughs> but uh, Let me finish my intro. I'm excited. Continue, sorry. Sorry, that's the that's the, the performer that's the kid. That is that's the, the ultimate theater kid. Theater kid move. So, I'm the star. <laughs> theater kids rejoice because while obviously TV and movies and all forms of performing art media are solely produced and acted in by theatre kids. Not a lot of representation on screen. Mm. Uh, So in 2009, a little show by the name of Glee Mm. was released. So did you ever watch it? No, no, I I never watched it. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, you might have. And even if I did, I would not admit it on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now would be the time to admit it. Sure. So today I'm going to be telling you about what has become commonly known mostly on the internet as the Glee Curse. Okay. Okay. Yep. So before we actually get into it, mm. I will I would like to add a little caveat up top. So if you've looked into this a little bit, which it sounds like you have. A, a little bit. I don't know all of the details. All I really know is that there was a there is a a, a supposed curse around Glee and the cast. Yeah. Yeah. So I will put a little caveat that a lot of tragic events have sort of occurred or unfolded around Mm. the cast and the crew of Glee. And it has been referred to as a curse. And that's obviously why it's come up on my radar. Mm. But there are a lot of people online, fans, and even people involved with the show who really do quite bristle at the term curse. So they, I've read some things where they sort of believe it to be disrespectful I don't know that I necessarily agree with that take. Mm -hmm. However, I think we can sort of discuss all of this at the end, but I think that while we we are exploring it in in the concept of a curse, I think it's a really important and timely reminder that this is quite a a modern or a contemporary sort of curse that we're covering. Um, And it's a really acute concentration of some really tragic and unfortunate events. Mm. And it is in no way my intention nor our intention to be disrespectful in referring to it as a curse. I think we can probably discuss this a little bit more as we get further down the line, but I think the term curse is maybe broadly applied in this context because of how prolific and tragic such an acute concentration of these events are. Yeah, I think that there's, especially when you're talking about things that happen in like modern mm. modern life and modern times, yeah. that there is often a rebuttal against calling something a curse because it, it almost downplays or diminishes the, the trauma and the tragedy yeah. that, that, that is tied up in a lot of these exactly. things. Exactly. So, so, and, yeah. I, and I will, as we uncover all of the bits and pieces of, of what we're going to go through, I will obviously treat those with the sensitivity that they deserve yeah. um, and really want to be clear up front that we are not trivializing or um, downplaying the tragedy of of these events. And there will be a few trigger warnings and things that I'll content give. Warnings. Content warnings. Content uh, warnings. Just up the top, there is quite a few references of suicide 
there's substance abuse there is some uh, some really yucky stuff with child sex abuse material right um csam yeah you said it was called yes yeah, yeah. csam so there's quite a few things that are really really yuck and i'll give more explicit content warnings as they come up so that if you would like to skip ahead then you absolutely can okay but before i go into that let's just sort of set the tone here a little bit so glee if you've never seen it or have never heard of it uh it is an american musical comedy drama television series so it actually aired from the 19th of may 2009 to the 20th of march 2015 so it had quite a long run it had about a six season run yeah and it's also i i for some reason i thought maybe it started earlier than that yeah i I thought it started earlier too i had this idea that it started when i was in high school but i mean 2009 did you say yeah it was only like three or four years ago right yeah 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 (laughs) yeah that was like five six years ago yeah um it actually glee just wrapped up yep yeah we just had the last season of glee uh so it centers on the new directions who are a glee club at the fictional william mckinley high school so the glee club to the best of my understanding is like a choir can I, can I cut you off for a second? The only thing I know about Glee is that there was a bunch of jocks that did an acapella band called the Acapellas. That's the only thing I know. I didn't even know that. <laughs> uh, didn't didn't come up weirdly. So basically they compete as a show choir and the thing that sort of set this show apart, especially for the time, was that the teenagers, the high school students who are represented in the show – Their characters do deal with a lot of social issues, so stuff around sexuality, race, family, teen relationships, and there was this, you know, heavy emphasis on this teamwork through thread. Right. Um, As as a 90s kid, the closest parallel I can draw is it's like Degrassi High. Sort of. musical. Yeah, (laughs) exactly, with with music. Yeah. Um, So I guess a huge part of the ongoing or it's, it's kind of like the the story vehicle is they're always like on their journey to nationals. Like they're always, <laughs> they actually uh, make reference to that in uh, an episode of community where it's very much, it's like, I've never watched Glee, but you can tell it's, it's very much a Glee parody. And they're like, we're just we're this close to regionals. And then they get to regionals. like, And after regionals come sectionals. <laughs> yeah. It's literally like that. Yeah. There's like a hundred different qualifiers and like different competitions, right. but I guess they need that to drive the story. There, there needs to be like a hero's journey type thing. Yeah. yeah. But the real, the real reason I think that the show resonated was because a, it was, yeah, this theater kid representation. Mm. And then B, um, there was a lot of representation even within that space of like, you know, there was a lot of LGBT characters. There was a lot of disabled characters. Yeah. Yep. There was a lot of like um, racial diversity. Mm. Like there was just a lot of, a lot of family dynamic stuff. So, and I think as well, um, there was uh, a lot of love initially. I don't think he, I I don't think he's been canceled, but I don't think he's loved. I actually didn't look into this, but the, the teacher in the show, Mr. Shoe, Mr. Schuster, he, um, I think people really resonated seeing like a, a dynamic of a young sort of male teacher being a good role model kind of for these kids. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the initial 12-member cast included Matthew Morrison. So he was the club director and a Spanish teacher, weirdly. Okay. Um, his name was Will Schuster and they called him Mr. Shoe. We had Jane Lynch, so she was amazing. Um, she was the cheerleading coach, Sil- Sue Sylvester. She's so good in 40-year-old she's, Oh, my God. She's good in everything. Guatemalan and she, love song. She's really good in she this, in, in Glee. She's right, okay. actually amazing. She plays like the 
coach. Oh, like, yeah, I just said that. The cheerleading yeah, coach. Cheerleading coach. Yeah, yeah. Right, but yeah. she's like so just deadpan, sarcastic. She's kind of like evil, but she's not. I don't know. It's right, hard. Okay. She's hilarious. Yeah. It's so, it's just, yeah, she's great. Um, and of course, she has some like redemption arcs and stuff sure. because you have to not hate her too much. Right. So there's the guidance counselor, Miss Pillsbury, who's kind of, she has OCD. So she's kind of like a, you know, mental health link. Right. These are just like the original cast members that I'm going through. Sorry. Um, we had Mr. Shu's wife, Terry, who I think she pretended to be pregnant, if I remember correctly, okay. um, to try and keep him. Um, I feel like this has become a, this is, we're very quickly uh, pivoting into just being a Glee podcast. Yeah. Well, we're 15 minutes in and I'm not even through the cast list and because about 15 you years keep behind. interrupting me. So with the actual students, we had Quinn, who was a popular te- cheerleader um, and who was pregnant. So teenage pregnancy. Degrassi High. Um, Chris Colfer as Kurt Hummel. So he was gay, um, but felt... <laughs> all right, everyone else has got all these, like, they're, they're the feisty cheerleader, they're this and this one. He's gay. I wasn't finished. Right, okay, sorry. <laughs> if you let me finish my sentences, maybe you'd find out there's more to these characters. It's very mid-naughties. It's like all these different caricatures. And then, and the gay. <laughs> well, he was not out when the show started. Right, okay. Um, so he was bullied as well um so we have Artie who has physical disability he uses a wheelchair Leah Michelle is Rachel Berry who is literally like the theater kid caricature nightmare but is like the star Corey Monteith was Finn who was the school's star quarterback who was kind of dim but talented and also conflicted about his love for football but also his love for Theater. Singing. Did he have a mohawk? Was that the mohawk? No, 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 no. We'll yeah. get to him. Okay. And he's he's not great. I'll, I'll warn you up top. He is not great. Okay. Amber Riley was Mercedes. So she was an African-American girl who very much was probably the most talented, but chronically under-recognized. And there was a lot of like racial stuff that she dealt with. Right. Um, in the show or? In the show. As a, okay. In the show. Yeah. Uh, I think, look, I think some of the, the real life bled into the show and vice versa. Yeah. Mark Salling was Noah Puckerman. So he was the Mohawk guy that you're talking about, mm-hmm. known as Puck in the show, teenage delinquent in need of direction. So, of course, finds the Glee Club and saves his life. Um, Jenna Oshkowitz was Tina Cohen-Chan. Chang, sorry. So her whole bit was that she was shy. She was of Korean descent. So she longed to be popular and also had some experiences with racism. Okay. So, yeah, the the main cast was altered throughout the series and we did see the addition of Naya Rivera as Santana Lopez. So she is described as an unapologetically Latina cheerleader experiencing deep conflict over her sexuality. Okay. A few others. I'm just kind of going through the main ones. Heather Morris was Brittany Pierce, who is a ditzy cheerleader who secretly realizes she is a math prodigy and also comes to realize she is bisexual. Okay. So the series was created by Ryan Murphy, Brad Folchuk, and Ian Brennan. Uh, so the whole concept is that the musical direction of the show was that every week there'd be like an on-screen performance-based um, musical numbers. And they were a mix of like show tunes and chart hits. So what they would often do was like mashups. I was going to say, they they were really responsible for the proliferation of like 
just yep. mash up culture. Yeah. Yeah. So Mr. Shu would essentially like introduce a theme every week right. that would somehow obviously play into something that one of them was going through in their lives. And then they would have like this mashup. And honestly, some of their mashups absolutely slap. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they did like a gossip song, I think. And something else. I can't remember. Anyway, they did some really good mashups. Okay. So during his first season, Glee actually received really like quite favorable reviews from critics mm-hmm. um so it was rated and uh, weighted an average of 77 out of 100 based on 18 critical reviews through metacritic okay won heaps of awards 19 emmys Emmy nominations or, six yeah. Uh, yeah four golden globes um six satellite awards 57 other awards including golden globe for best television series i had no idea it was so it was really decorated it was yeah. decorated yeah Jane Lynch won awards. Um, Neil Patrick Harris actually guest starred and he won an award. Gwyneth Paltrow won an award for her uh, appearance on the show. A lot of them did at least um, have nominations, if not win awards. Mm. Um, And quite a large sort of ensemble cast. Right. So I will go through a couple of the main – there's three main – events that people talk about or circumstances that people talk about when they talk about the Glee curse. And there are some other, uh, I don't want to say smaller or more minor, but there's some other things as well that I'll cover in less detail. Okay. So the first thing that I'll cover is Corey Monteith. So as I mentioned, he portrayed Finn Hudson on the show. So he was like the quarterback popular guy. Mm -hmm. Seems a bit dopey, but, you know, ultimately heart of gold yeah, and talent for yeah. singing. I was about to, the words heart of gold were ringing in my head yeah. then, yeah. 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 So he becomes one of the lead members of the group, which was, of course, in conflict with his, like, jock persona. Sure. But and he has to wrestle between yeah. the two, a foot in two different worlds. Yeah. So he his connections to the other character characters in the show that kind of led some of the storylines was that Quinn, the pregnant teenager, cheerleader, told him that it was his baby, but they actually didn't do the thing you need to do to have a baby. They were in a hot tub together and she convinced him that that was able was to make enough. her pregnant because right. she was actually pregnant to the bad guy, Puck. Okay. So that's kind of like the level that they portrayed him at as the first season, like right. level of intelligence. Right, got yeah. it. Yeah. He was also, in one of the later seasons, his mum married Kurt's dad, so the the guy who was bullied and struggling with his sexuality. Right. So there was a kind of like a couple of little connections there. Um, Is this how you feel when I try to describe Warhammer lore to you? Because I'm just like trying to. (laughs) I think more people would know what I'm talking about (laughs) than would know about what you're talking about. So Corey Monteith, he he was a Canadian um, actor. He was born on the 11th of May, 1982, and he had a troubled adolescence involving substance abuse from age 13. He actually left school at age 16. Um, We're now talking about the actor, not the character. Yeah, Corey Monteith. Yep. So after an intervention by family and friends, he did enter into drug rehabilitation at age 19. Wow. Okay. So he was very young. Yeah, Um, but like sort of a six-year user by the time he'd he'd mm, hit. So he started off with gateway drugs so-called um and eventually progressed to more serious hard drugs um including opioid abuse yes um so he did speak out about his addiction issues in an interview in 2011 so they were very much part 
of the public record. But at the time that he spoke, he was speaking from a place of recovery. Right. Um, in real life at that time, he was actually dating Leah Michelle, who okay. was also on the show, the, the Theatre Kid Nightmare. Right. So he was living in Los Angeles and traveling back to Canada. So I saw some stuff online that said basically he was struggling as as anyone who knows anyone who struggles with addiction will tell you it's not necessarily a linear journey and he would very often when he went back to Vancouver where he was from those would be the times that he would finding himself find himself lapsing back into drug use but when he was in Los Angeles he was uh not using drugs so he was kind of in and out based on where he based on location yeah yeah which is i mean the the narrative is usually you know these young uncorrupted people go to Hollywood and it's the Hollywood system that corrupts them and but almost the opposite for this guy. Well, I could be I, I, this isn't part of my research, so sure. please take this with a grain of salt. But I have read or like seen media around Vancouver itself, and that for a long time there's actually been a massive drug problem in Vancouver, right? And a lot of like homelessness, a lot of social issues. Mm. So I don't know if any of that factored into what got him started with drug use in Vancouver. I don't know if it was a it was a case of accessibility, the people he knew there. I really don't know. Mm. But I do know that I have seen that Vancouver does have quite a significant drug problem, like most major cities, yes. I would say. But I think that there's their opio- opioid crisis started even before it did in most other major cities. There you go. Yeah. So on March, on the 31st of March, 2013, Monteith's publicist announced that he had admitted himself into a treatment facility for substance addiction. So according to Ryan Murphy, who was the Glee co-creator, as we recall, Monteith's admission to rehab in March resulted from an emergency intervention on the Glee set um, in which Murphy and other members of the Glee cast and crew urged Monteith to accompany doctors to the rehab facility, which had been arranged by the show. Monteith agreed and was, that says he would be using in LA as well. So I don't know, conflicting reports here. Could have been a case of... A show break. And or also initially yep. the problems were when he was yep. going back home, but... Yep. As it escalates more and more. Could have been. Yeah. And that's all speculation. Sure. Because yeah. I've obviously read two different things there and not yep. even realized it until I'm reading these out loud. Um, so he agreed and he was consequently written out of the final two episodes of Glee's fourth season. After being assured he would still have his job on his return. Okay. So that was on the 31st of March. Now by the 26th of April, it was reported that he had completed his treatment. So that was just under a month later. Aced it. Yeah. So on the 13th of July, so that's uh, where are we now? That would be just under two months later. Uh, Monteith was tragically found dead in his room at the Fairmont Pacific Rim Hotel in Vancouver. He was 31 years old at the time. Oh, wow. So he was scheduled to check out that day following a seven-night stay. But when he failed to do so, hotel staff entered his room around noon and found his body. The Vancouver Police Department stated that the cause of death was not immediately apparent, but ruled out foul play. 
an autopsy was completed by the British Columbia Coroner Service on the 15th, so a couple of days later, and the preliminary autopsy report stated that he had died from a mixed drug toxicity consisting of heroin and alcohol, and these deaths appeared to have been accidental. Okay, so an accidental overdose. Yeah. So the final report uh, was released on the 2nd of October of that year, and it did confirm those findings and noted that he also had codeine and morphine in his system at the time of his death, and... mm, Content warning through this whole thing, but a little bit more of a content warning just for some specifics around um, drug paraphernalia. So he was found with drug paraphernalia that included a spoon with drug residue and a used hypodermic needle, as well as two empty bottles of champagne. So the coroner wrote that Monteith had experienced intermittent periods of drug abuse and abstinence throughout his life. And then after a period of cessation from opioid drug use, a previously tolerated drug concentration level may become toxic and fatal. Mm. That's uh, it's, it's way too common. You know, people get clean, then they relapse, but they relapse at that dose that they used to take when they were at that, that high that high threshold, and then it it becomes fatal. Yeah. What was it that um that Keith Richards said in his book? The reason that he's never OD'd is because he never stopped. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So basically, that's to say that his stay in rehab was only months before his death, and yeah. his attempt to stay off drugs had resulted in his lowered tolerance. Yeah. To the drugs. It sounds like the 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 intervention did more harm than good potentially. Yeah. Especially, I'm I'm just foreseeing like a, a token rehabilitation. You know, in the Hollywood system, get 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 them out, get them clean, get them help, do yeah. the bare minimum, and I get think them back pe- to work. I think people were well intentioned. Yeah, I, I I'm think... not saying that that was malicious. No, but, no, no, yeah. no. I'm just saying mm. I think that. It's a really, 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 really hard thing to to help someone who is in active addiction. Yeah, of course. Um, and I think as well in some places, um, the drug rehabilitation space is really unregulated uh, and it can be mm. often for profit and it isn't necessarily run with best practice or um, like really solid health outcomes policy sort of forming its its treatment so mm. you can get a bit of a mixed bag yeah i think maybe just cut like if you think about some of the other episodes we've done about like the hollywood system and curses around the hollywood system a lot of the time we you know when like look at the wizard of oz for example and the crow is like just get the production done get you know yeah. get it wrapped up get this I, don't, I disagree with you okay. I, do, I don't think that that was the case here i actually think they genuinely wanted to support him okay i i don't i mean they they gave him they didn't wait to the end of the season and mm. and, and run him out and burn him out yeah. just to get you know what i mean like they, they wrote him out of the they last made a, and, and assured him he would have a job when he came back yeah they didn't put a caveat on that they all, all fair points yeah i yeah. think that they were supporting him i think it just was a really unfortunate mix of factors that ultimately led led to his really tragic and untimely death right so in terms of the show, they did write his death into the show in a way. So like I said, Leah Michelle was his partner at the time and, mm. and they took a hiatus, obviously, while sure. they were all grappling with the fallout. Yep. And they consulted with her around, you know, the best and like the most respectful way to deal with it, mm-hmm. it being uh, his, his death. Yep. Because obviously he had 
sort of been in and out of the show previously. So I guess there could have been uh, an opportunity there to, to gloss over it in a way. Um, they decided to handle it a little bit differently. So so in season five, I think it was the third episode of the season, um, an episode called The Quarterback was aired, which served as a tribute to Corey Monteith. So in the show, Finn, his character has passed away. No cause of death was given mm-hmm. in the show. Kurt, who you may recall I previously said was his stepbrother yes. in the show. Yep. There's a voiceover of Kurt and he says that he basically explains it's not the circumstances of Finn's death that matter, but how he lived his life. Okay. Which I thought was really nice. Yeah, that's that's quite heartfelt. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't, there was no, I thought that was quite tasteful. Like there was no yuck sort of. It would have been really hard to write. Like, how how do you do that respectfully? How do you do it where you're honouring the person yet you're not exploiting this tragic event? Yeah, I, as you know, like as a as a as a young person and into my older age, um, I've always been a bit of a pro wrestling fan. Something that has been done quite well in the past is when a when a there was like a run a period where you know, wrestlers would die quite young for a range of reasons. You know, a lot of the time, substance abuse and, and things like and things like that. What would what I was always impressed by was those those tribute episodes that they would do of like their weekly television shows were always about a celebration of the life of the person mm. rather than focusing on the the circumstances around their actual death. Yeah, yeah. I guess this one is even a little bit a step trickier than that because. It's a character. It's a character and a person at the same time. Yes. Yeah. So I, I liked that though. And I, yeah, it's not the circumstances of his death that mm. matter, but how he lived his life. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's an important thing to remember. And yeah. I think that's, I hope that even though they were talking about the character, I hope that that sort of delivers some sense of comfort to the people who loved Corey Monteith in his real life. Yeah. Um, because by all accounts, he was really well liked. He was mm. a really nice guy, you know, unproblematic. Yeah. Um, he just struggled. Despite how things like addiction are often displayed in, in media, often people who suffer from addiction are genuinely nice, kind, caring well, yeah, people. Yeah, it's all walks of life. That's 100%. the thing about addiction. It doesn't yeah. discriminate. That's right. So in a bit of a change of pace, mm. um, we'll move across to someone who I'm not going to do a lot of background on because honestly, it's of no no interest to me how he lived his life. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'll say his name once. Uh, his name's Mark Salling. So he played Noah Puckerman or Puck on the show. So he was the bad the boy. The villain, the bad boy. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to give a content warning here. This is um, around uh, child sex abuse material, which in previous times may have been referred to as child pornography Mm. um there's a big shift away from that language because the term like pornography is supposed to be something that's um made with the consent of adults Mm. um for entertainment purposes Mm. uh when you bring a child into that that's in no way shape or form what that is um so yeah the language shift is to call it Child Sex Abuse Material, or CSAM, or CSAM for short, or mm. f- as an acronym. Um, My um, piece of shit radar is starting to ping already. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, with that warning. Spoiler, spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, he played Puck on the show. He's supposed to be the bad boy. He was actually like on the show. The character was liked, you know, there was no... He's the bad boy with a heart of gold. Yeah. 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 So in 2015, his friends, family and workmates were shocked to learn that he had been charged with possession of CSAM. So I won't go into the details, but there are a significant number of images, like a significant number. Mm. It, it wasn't just, oh, there was, I, I opened a file and something attached itself to my computer. Yeah. No, no, no. This was, this was enough. Like in the hundreds or thousands or something. Keep like going. That. Oh my God. Um, and when these things are reviewed and criminal charges are laid, they're, they're graded by severity, mm. which feels gross, gross. and whatever. But yeah. I get it. Like yeah. there's, there's different grades and charges and things and, and these were up there. Mm, okay. So that's all you really need to know. That's all I needed to know. I didn't really want to get into any details. No, thank you. Um, so in 2017, he pleaded guilty to the charges as part of a plea deal, which I was like, gross, plea deal. Why are we doing plea deals on this kind of stuff? Unless but, it's to like bust a pedophile ring or something like that. I don't know. I mean, that's generally why plea deals happen. Yeah, right? but they generally happen in co-conspirator crimes or like yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm going off my very limited knowledge on the topic, which is when we sit down and we're hungover and binge watch SVU. Yeah, that's you know, Honestly, they go after a bigger fish. But I say throw him in jail. A whole bunch of. Fuck that guy. Yep. Yeah. Um, so on the 30th of January, 2018, he was found dead near his home in Los Angeles with the coroner ruling his death a suicide. Okay. His sentencing hearing was scheduled for the 7th of March. And when did he, when was he found dead? January. Right. Okay. Coward's way out. I didn't say that specifically because I think it's really important not to... Not to broad brush everyone who takes their own life as a coward. I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I think in this specific case, mm. only specifically speaking about this person, mm. I think, yes, he took his own life because of what well, hopefully it was the shame if he felt shame and remorse, um, but it was the fear of, of what was waiting for him in sentencing. Fear of the consequences of his actions. Yep. A little bit like Jeff, potentially like Jeffrey Epstein, if you if that's what you believe. Well, there's <laughs> that's a whole thing in itself. Yes, it is. So that one you'll notice I just did really high level points. I, I'm fine with that. Let's move on. Yeah. Yep. Um. So the next major cast member who met with tragedy was Naya Rivera. So I, I'm not sure actually if it's Naya or Naya. I think it's Naya. She was the the Santana. Yes, the so, the Latina with a heart of gold. Yeah. It's not that's not how they're all described. <laughs> she was a cheerleader. So I if you yeah, so I will explain to you who she was. So she was a cheerleader and originally kind of like a bitchy character, I guess, but she has a bit of a redemption arc, of course. Mm. And she has like this really cute story arc where she falls in love with her friend and fellow cheerleader Brittany and you know, she becomes um, she was introduced in the second season and she becomes like one of the main sort of cast characters. She's very right. talented. Yeah. Very good singer. So she was born on January 12, 1987, and her part in Glee was what she was best known for. She mm-hmm. did work as a model and an actress pretty much her entire life okay. from when she was a baby, but Glee was 
kind of her breakout role. Yeah. So she actually received various awards uh, for her work on Glee, including a Screen Actors Guild Award and nominations for two Grammys. Wow, okay. Actually, I don't think the Grammys were for Glee. I think I've lumped those in together. I think those were for an album that she did. But regardless, she... Obviously talented. Yes. Yeah. Um, So on the 8th of July, 2020, Naya Rivera was declared a missing person after her four-year-old son, Josie was found alone in her rented boat at Lake Peru, a reservoir in the Los Padre National Forest in Ventura County, California. And I apologize if I'm butchering any of the Spanish names. Mm. So Rivera had been visiting the lake for years and she was considered a strong swimmer by her family. So a search started for Rivera and her son, Josie, at about 4 p.m. the day they took their boat out because Mm. three hours after they left the dock, that they were overdue to bring the the um, boat back. So mm. they hadn't returned. A search party was sent out for them. So when the search party went out, Josie was found alone asleep on the boat with his life jacket on around 5 p.m. So I remind you, he's four years old. Yeah. So very odd. Mm. When investigators arrived, Josie told them that he and his mum were swimming when she told him to get back onto the boat. So the police reports state that Josie recalled that his mum had helped him climb back into the boat but was unable to climb back on board herself and then disappeared under the water. A lawsuit later lodged by her ex-husband, which we'll get into Mm. a little bit more, uh, claimed that Josie had climbed aboard unaided while his mother struggled to do the same. But both accounts state that he watched his mother reaching up and calling out for help he says that he searched for a rope on the boat to help while she was struggling. And he also told investigators that she wasn't wearing a life jacket, whereas he was. Okay. So that's a lot of detail out of a four-year-old. Yeah. The next day, so this was all obviously in the preliminary investigations while they're still searching for her. But once mm. they sort of heard that, the investigators confirmed that they were presuming her to be dead. It was moving from a search and rescue to a... Yeah. So the rescue efforts would shift to recovery efforts. Right. So on the 11th and the 12th of July, her parents and stepfather, her brother, her ex-husband, Ryan Dorsey, and close friend and co-star Heather Morris, who played Brittany on the show, Mm. all joined the search team at the lake. On the 13th of July, it was announced that a body had been found by divers in Lake Peru when the search resumed in the morning. The body was confirmed to be Naya Rivera's at a press conference held later that day. So the sheriff suggested that what might have happened was that Rivera and Josie may have found themselves caught in a rip current Mm -hmm. and struggled to get back onto the boat, saying that she likely mustered enough energy to save her son, but not enough to save herself. I know. It's really heartbreaking. And the part that really kills me is thinking about him on that boat by himself himself. for all those hours. Like terrified, traumatized. You have to imagine. Yeah. Four years old. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's heartbreaking. Um, so on the 14th of July, the Ventura County Medical Examiner released an autopsy report stating that the cause of death was an accidental drowning and there was no evidence of injury or intoxication. Okay. So totally accidental, totally tragic, yep. total freak accident. Mm. I don't want to say interestingly, but something to note. So her body was actually recovered on the seventh anniversary of Corey Monteith's death. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Mm. Just something to note. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the lawsuit that I mentioned, so mm. just as a little aside, if you're interested. Um, I love a side quest. Uh, 
Uh, so in November 2020, which was what five, four months, five months after after she was found um, drowned, mm. Ryan Dorsey, on behalf of his and Rivera's young son Josie Dorsey mm. and her estate, brought wrongful death lawsuits against Ventura County and the management of Lake Peru. The suit claims. There were no signs to warn of the dangers of the lake and of swimming in the lake. And the rental boat that had been provided to her did not meet the safety standards under California law, specifically that it did not come equipped with flotation devices, nor with a safety, safely accessible ladder, adequate rope, an anchor, a radio, or any security mechanisms to prevent swimmers from being separated from their boats. God. Mm. The, the lawsuit I'm sorry. was sorry. I'm just getting I'm getting images of of our friend adrift in, oh. in the the deep dark waters off the coast of New Zealand. Yep. So the lawsuit was also pursuing survivors claims for Dorsey and claims of negligent emotional distress, stating that Rivera may not have known that her son had made it to the boat, but she surely knew that she was dying and would not make it back to her son. Mm. I know. That's heavy as well as highlighting the later publication of toxicology reports, which it says were the defendant's attempts to discredit Rivera in the media and distract from their own own negligence. So that's the third sort of major tragedy Mm. that is referred to in the Glee curse. Two tragedies and a comeuppance. Sure. But, I mean, I think the tragedy in that second one is not so much for the person, the cast member who died, I think it's for the victims of his crime. And also the the friends and family and the people around him who believed him to be a trusted, decent human being and it turned out that he's a piece of shit. What people often forget is even when someone does something despicable and evil, there are victims outside the immediate victims and they are often the the friends and family of of that, that person. Exactly. Yeah. So that is the tragedy of that situation. And that's fair. Um, so there's a few other people that have been associated with Glee who have some sort of, you know, tragic tragic incidents occur. Mm-hmm. So Jim Fuller, the assistant director, died of a heart attack. Okay. This is all during the, the show. Right. Well, during, well, during the show run. Okay. Yeah. I don't have exact years for all this stuff. You, you but don't know all, how old this guy was? No. Okay. This is th- These are all minimal information Footnotes. available on these. Yeah. Sure. So Jim Fuller, the assistant director... Uh, died from a heart attack. A man only known as Paul, who was involved in props on the show, also died of a heart attack. Nancy Motes, who was a production assistant, also took her li- own life. Mm. There was another unnamed rigger who worked on the show who took his own life. Mark Watson, who was the stand-in for Matthew Morrison, Mr. Shu, mm-hmm. died in a car accident. There was, There's been a bunch of other scandals associated uh, sorry i shouldn't use the word scandal but a lot of other things that have been associated so some death and misadventure of family members and partners of other cast members a lot's come out in recent years about leah michelle herself and just about how she was a bully on the set um Mm. there's been these really weird rumors that she can't read like there's a lot (laughs) yeah there's a lot of stuff i don't know if that really plays into the curse but maybe she should have played the the yeah. dumbass quarterback that thought you could get pregnant in a hot tub. Exactly. <laughs> so there's, yeah, but apparently she wasn't an overly pleasant person. And right. even that there was actually a feud between her and um, Naya Rivera as well. So she can't even spell the word pleasant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or feud. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's kind of the curse, quote unquote. Okay. Um, 
In terms of origins and counterpoints, it's all kind of wrapped up. So the docuseries The Price of Glee was released last month on Netflix. Okay. It's a three-part docuseries. It doesn't feature any primary cast members at all. That doesn't surprise me. It's all, you know, really quite removed associations with Mm. the production. But in the trailer for the docuseries, one of the interview subjects who was a cinematographer, um, Christopher Baffer, mentions that there might be a curse on the show. Okay. So this wasn't the first time that that had been floated. It's kind of been – the idea has kind of been around the internet for a long time Mm. um, on social media, but generally met with a lot of displeasure by the fans. Sure. The idea that the docuseries would focus on a curse gave it an impression of salaciousness and exploitation. Yeah. So that kind of prompted fans and cast members to begin speaking out against it. So many cast members have come out on records of rallying against the idea of the curse. Um, And And against against the the docuseries? Yes. You said the docuseries has just been released. Yeah. I assume that 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 rallying or that, that, that rallying against it has was kind of sight unseen as well. It wasn't a case of no people have watched it and well they saw the trailer right and the trailer I guess focused in on that comment made by that cinematographer that there might be a curse right and that's kind of set social media on fire Got it. Um, within the Glee fan base at least. So yeah, many cast members are on record sort of rallying against the idea of the curse and they obviously sort of try to. A, not focus on the curse at all, but B, focus on respectfully, I guess, remembering their uh, castmates who tragically lost and crewmates who've tragically lost their lives yeah. rather than sort of calling it a curse. But there's really no denying that there's a real acute concentration of quite tragic, untimely incidents that have befallen the Glee cast. And yeah, that's not really a theory or anything around the origins. It's more just the interesting part, I guess, of the concept of the curse is how reviled the idea is by the Mm. fan base. They really, really, really hate the idea of the curse. Right. So we're not going to be super popular with the the Glee crew with this episode. probably not. I think, I mean, like I said, we are not, I don't, feel like we've been exploitative i think no um I, I would agree with you on that something's called a curse we're talking about it yeah yeah and i mean the, the, all you really need to look at in in for us is the title of this podcast which is is it a curse or is it just a series of coincidences that's right and i think we do actually have a track record of of calling out in some cases where you know it, it when these you know we call it a coincidence we we even when we say it's a curse, we, you know, we'll say, look, it is a series of, of very tragic events and we often do what we can to make sure that those events don't get downplayed in any way. That's it. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I've got for you. Do you mm. want some time before you have a think about it and talk about it further? No, I, th- I, think, I think we can go straight right. into, yeah. into some deliberations. I, I don't have a lot and I think I don't have a lot because – you know, usually when we do these sorts of, like, especially more modern curses, there's no real mythos. Yeah. That, well, time hasn't, there hasn't been enough time that's uh, elapsed for there to be folklore, mythos, mm. whatever, wrapped around something. And often I have found, being on the other side of it, 
the times where we've called something modern is where there's just an overwhelming amount of evidence. Like if you look at the Drake curse, right? It's like, and then the next month this happened and then two days later this yeah. happened and then these photos happened and then this person specifically said, fuck you, Drake. Why, yeah. why did you wear my jersey? Like there's, there's overwhelming stuff. We're really on in this one, we're focusing on, I mean, yes, there were some, I don't want to say minor characters, but there were some footnotes, but it's really focused around three major cast members, cast members and three major events. Yeah. Right? And if you look at those three major events... One of them is is an accidental death and is is incredibly tragic. One of them is um, a, a person who struggled for years before they even came into the Glee mm. sphere with addiction and, and and substance problems. And then the third one was just a bag of shit. Yeah. The one thing that kind of, mm. you know, made me go, ooh, and I think you, you picked up on it was that, you know, her body was recovered literally 70, was it seven? On the seven-year seven anniversary, anniversary of Corey Monteith's death. Yeah. So that that one kind of, you know, set my, my curse meter pinging a little bit. I don't think it's enough for me to say, yes, this is this is a curse. But, yeah, I, I think it's, it's really a case in this one of... It's it's some very very tragic incidents that happened. I don't think like the Wizard of Oz. You, we could, we said it was a it was a series. It was a coincidence because it was how the production just didn't give a shit, and that was kind of why I started questioning. Well, you know, with Corey Monteith, was he actually just rushed back into the role? Did was it more of just like a a box checking exercise to say we've we've done what we need to do and, and let's just get him back to work. From what you said, it doesn't sound like it was that. Not from what I've read. Yeah. So I think in this case, I am going to call this a coincidence. Yep. The seven-year anniversary or the seven-year death recovery. It's, a, recovery. it's an interesting coincidence. It is one. an interesting coincidence. Yeah. It's a bit think, of an eerie coincidence. But... Yeah. But I think by us describing it as an eerie coincidence, yeah. I think that reestablishes that it's... I agree with you on this one. And I think that's why I was kind of confident to present it in this format because mm. I, I think we are, if anything agreeing with the fan base. Yeah. So we're probably not going to right, raise the ire of <laughs> of the, the Glee the yeah. Glee Mafia. Yeah. Yeah. I... um. I think that, yeah, I agree with you. And I very much, when I looked into this, I never really got a sense that there was anything cursy about it. I think it was just a string of really, really unfortunate and in some cases tragic events. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which, you know, can happen. Absolutely. Coincidentally. Yeah. That's it. As it would turn out. Yeah. More often than not, we found on this podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that'll that'll do it for this week. Uh, Amy, thank you. That was uh, that was a, a great story. And um, obviously, you know, when, when we're doing these sorts of uh, curses or these sorts of topics, they are often quite tragic. But you, you narrated that very, very well. Thank uh, you. I was engaged the whole way through. Thanks. Five stars. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so you can follow us on all of our socials. So uh, if you follow the handle That Cursed Pod on TikTok or Instagram, you can find us there. You can leave us a review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, and if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, you can send us a DM on Instagram. Yeah, please do. We are always keen to look into suggestions. That's it. And until next week, stay cursed. Bye. Bye.